Can you believe it's almost Thanksgiving already? Where did the time go, right? Well, as we enter into another Thanksgiving season, I know that I am personally looking forward to another slew of Thanksgiving hand turkeys and arts and crafts that will appear in my first grader's backpack over the next few weeks, right? I know Pastor Nicole's looking forward to those as well. They go on the fridge and they're there all year long. Some things never change. Well, a first grade teacher named Mrs. Klein asked her first grade students to draw a picture of something for which they are thankful. As she watched them, she thought of how the children maybe did not have much to be thankful for as they lived in a deteriorating neighborhood. She knew them well enough to know that they would probably draw pictures of turkeys or perhaps their Thanksgiving meals that would be awaiting them because that was what they believed was expected of them. But then she saw little Douglas's picture. Douglas was one of those kids in class who had very little. He was shy and he stayed close to Mrs. Klein. His drawing was simply a hand. But whose hand? The class was captivated by his picture. One student said, it must be the hand of God that brings us food. Another said, maybe it's a farmer because they grow the turkeys. Maybe. Maybe it's a police officer, said another, because they help protect us. And another one said, that's supposed to be all of the hands that protect us. But Douglas only drew one. Finally, Mrs. Klein leaned over and asked Douglas whose hand it was. His response was, it's yours, Mrs. Klein. She was touched as she recalled how many times she had taken Douglas by the hand, as she does with all of her students, but she didn't realize how much that had meant to him. Perhaps she reflected that giving thanks is not about the material things that are given to us, but the small ways that we give something to others. Well, in light of the gospel story that we heard today, I want you to start thinking about all of the times that someone has taken you by the hand and has reminded you to be thankful in both the little things and the big things. And to take it a step further, think of the ways that God has taken you by the hand. How have you been able to express gratitude, praise, and thanksgiving for those times in your life when you needed a hand the most? And that perhaps Christ has come to lift you up. And when was the last time you gave back to God just to say thanks? Gratitude to God is the fundamental scriptural reason and our motivation for giving our time in worship, our talent in service, and our financial gifts to support God's ministry in the world. When we are grateful, we are more likely to honor God with our gifts and our lives. So we begin by examining our hearts. Are they grateful or are they angry or bitter or resentful? Because it's so easy to look around our world right now and see nothing but hearts that are turned to anger and resentment and bitterness, to have hearts of war. And it's not meant to be this way. When we examine our hearts and begin to change them into grateful hearts, our entire outlook on life and the way that we live has the potential to change. 
And when this happens, we are compelled to give something back out of our thankfulness. A colleague of mine, Dr. Kent Millard, who was senior pastor at St. Luke's United Methodist Church, uh, long before Pastor Nicole was there, but when I was a college student in the youth ministry, he was the pastor. And he shares his experience of walking with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s March for Voting Rights in Selma, Alabama in 1965. On one occasion, they marched right to the courthouse where an African-American was denied the right to vote. They stood on the steps while angry people shouted ugly words at them. An African-American pastor was there and prayed for those shouting that God would turn their hearts of hate to hearts of love. Well, 40 years later, Dr. Millard spoke to a group of Alabama pastors about his experience in Selma. Afterwards, a pastor approached him and shared that he was also in Selma at the same time, but was standing on the other side. This pastor confessed that he said and did awful things back then. So Pastor Millard asked, well, what changed you? The response from the other pastor was this. Jesus Christ, I was so filled with hatred that I couldn't stand myself. My wife invited me to a Methodist revival meeting, and I went forward. I knelt at the altar, confessed my sins, and Christ came into my heart and replaced my hatred and bitterness with love. I decided to become a United Methodist minister in order to share God's unconditional love for all people. The prayer of that African-American pastor back in 1965 to turn hearts of hate into hearts of love had been fulfilled in this man. The good news is that Jesus Christ can turn all hearts from hearts filled with hate and anger into hearts of compassion, faith, and gratitude. Giving thanks begins with a heart filled with love and gratitude for God. So our scripture lesson this morning gives us the perfect example of what a heart of gratitude looks like. Jesus and his disciples are on the move from Galilee to Samaria, somewhere in between there. And as Jesus enters the village, ten lepers approach them, but they keep their distance. When a person was diagnosed with leprosy, they were cast out of the village where they lived. These ten individuals were probably sitting outside the city walls, cast out, isolated, ignored, separated from their families, sentenced to a life of begging for food and support, longing for warmth and touch and a safe space. Most people ignored them and just walked on by, but not Jesus. The text says that Jesus saw them. Perhaps he paused, looking intently at them with compassion and heard their cries for healing. Without laying a hand on them, Jesus simply says, Go and show yourselves to the priests. The priests alone were the ones who could inspect them to make sure they had been healed and could return to a normal life. And we're told that as they walked away, the healing began. Can you imagine the joy of these ten people as they were cleansed from a disease that had taken everything away from them. Their health, their happiness, their relationships, their community, 
all returned in an instant. And how did they respond to this gift of healing? Well, nine returned back to the village to show themselves to everyone so that life could return to normal. Families could be reunited, lives restored. But one, one of the ten, discovering that he had been healed, runs back to Jesus. He praises God, he falls on his knees, and thanks Jesus for making him whole again. Luke then points out that this man was a Samaritan, probably for the reason that Samaritans were looked down upon by the Jewish people in the days of Jesus. He would have been an outsider not just because of his leprosy, but because of his cultural identity, the ways he believed, and the ways that he lived. Yet he was the only one that returned to Jesus to give thanks for what had happened. This healed Samaritan, then, is the model for what Christ calls us to do, to become aware of the ways that God has blessed us, to come to Christ, to fall on our knees, to offer prayers of thanksgiving with grateful hearts for what God has done and is doing for us. And where were the other nine? Jesus wonders, and so do we. They were probably deep into the village at this point, showing everyone what had happened, trying to get to those priests for that validation. And they must have been overwhelmed with joy of their healing, but they failed to thank the healer. If we are honest, we might confess that there are times when we are like the nine who did not return to give thanks for the gift of healing. We enjoy the gifts given to us, but we often fail to come back to God to say thanks for these gifts. And in our busy and overly scheduled lives, we don't take the time to return and give thanks. I experienced this myself recently. My calendar, like so many of your calendars, has been so full. I've been running from place to place, meeting to meeting, appointment to appoint, appointment, from pastoring to mom life and everywhere in between. It seems like it never stops. Several weeks ago, I was at a two-day meeting for the Indiana Board of Ordained Ministry, which was held at Fatima Retreat Center. And on my lunch break, I was determined to walk the labyrinth. How many of you all have walked a labyrinth before? All right, a few, a few. If you get a chance to walk the labyrinth, Please do it. And I can even give you directions to this one if you would like to know more about it. Well, for those who don't know, a labyrinth is a form of a prayer walk. When you walk the labyrinth, the idea is to clear your mind as you walk. As you wind toward the center and back again, it is the reminder of the times when we feel close to God as our center, but also the times we might feel further away. But the walk shows us that we are always drawn back to the center again, to the heart of God. And I believe we have a picture of a labyrinth we can show. It looks like a maze, but really it brings you in and out and back again, that we are prepared to walk back out into the world. Why well, I've always found that walking the labyrinth to be a holy and grounding experience. I find that certain words surface in my mind when I walk. On this particular day, the word that surfaced for me 
was gratitude. That in the midst of the chaos around me, I remembered to list and be thankful for the goodness in my life and for the simple reminders of those things. I then asked forgiveness for being so busy that I had not taken the time to give thanks. Then I pondered, how might I give something back to God to honor God for all for which I am thankful? Because if we don't hit the pause button in our lives every now and then to give thanks, we will run on empty and have nothing left. I certainly felt God nudging me that day to stop and give thanks. And I'm guessing that you could use that nudge as well. God calls us back to the center when we feel weary and broken, or when we feel God's healing power and joy. It's our choice. Do we stop and give thanks, or do we just continue on with our lives and forget that it ever happened at all? Of all people, the Samaritan in our story knew what to do. Life could simply go on as usual. He had to return just to say thanks, though, for healing and restoration. He was willing to give his life to the cause of Christ. His gratitude, then, was a starting point in making a difference in the lives of others as God sends him forward in praise and thanksgiving. Just to say thanks is the reason that we come to this place to worship and sing songs of praise to God. Just to say thanks is more than the words we say. It's the actions and reactions that follow. Perhaps you have heard of a man named John Kralik. Here is a guy whose life was a disaster. He was miserable, broke, unhealthy, and on his second divorce, living in a bad apartment in L.A. with no air conditioning. He, you, yes. He was an attorney, yet he couldn't afford to pay his employees their Christmas bonuses, all due to the lack of their clients and not paying bills on time. What did he have to be thankful for? What did he have to give? One New Year's Day, John was hiking, and he had this epiphany and a goal to write 365 thank you notes, one a day for a year. Let's take a look at how his movement has made a difference. I never thanked Ms. McConaughey, my social studies teacher in high school, for um, putting up with me. I also just want to thank my mother, who I pretty much love more than anyone on earth. To my friends who um, make me laugh, support me when I'm down. Thank you for all of the 118 paper clips I've stolen from your desk that you didn't realize until this what? moment. Yeah. <laughs> and I won't replace them, but thank you for those. You're welcome. I also want to thank the taxi cab driver who returned my cell phone and Blackberry before I even knew they were missing. 
thanks for just being there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you. And to this day, John has written and received over 2,000 thank you notes. He says, gratitude presses outwards, and that creates good feelings in the universe. A lot of that comes back to you eventually. John says that our natural tendency is to notice the nine bad things that happen to us each day. But instead, what if we focused on at least one good thing? How would that change your life? How would you then be inspired to give something back? Because gratitude begets gratitude. Thankfulness begets thankfulness. Give and it will be given to you. You might be surprised at the overflowing of blessings that you will begin to see only if you are open to it. For Douglas, our first grader, it was something as simple as a hand. Perhaps for us, it begins with the reminder that Christ extends a hand to each of us. So I ask you, for what do you need to just say thanks to God? Who needs to hear these words from you, perhaps? How will you hit the pause button in your life long enough to embrace gratitude? When we give to God just to say thanks, we will start down a path of gratitude that leads to joyful generosity. And as our series these next few weeks is Fill the Cup, I invite you today to fill your cup with gratitude. Fill it to overflowing that we will fill our hearts with gratitude to God as well. May it be so.